Welcome to Cardiology. We're back after all this time and taking some time off for the summer. It's great to come back and be online talking to everybody and speaking a little bit about our Browns. It's been a little while. I tried to spend some time, enjoy some fun with my kids, um, the craziness before getting them all back to school and doing all those different things. But I, like many of you, are, am dying for the start of the season and am ready for things to go. So I'm very happy to be back with this, our second episode. And on our second episode here, we actually have a new guest. So I have another one of my buddies who's joining us for this session. So I'd like to introduce everybody to Mr. Sean Donovan. Sean, how are you? Good to be here, Mark. I am doing great. And I'll tell you, this is a lot more fun than, you know, just sitting on my chair texting you guys about about this stuff. Right, right. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, why why you're joining us on here and uh, what enamors you about our wonderful Cleveland Browns? Uh, You know, it's, it really goes back to, uh, to my grandpa. He was a huge Browns fan down in the basement in their house. It was basically a shrine to the Browns. He had autographed footballs from the 64 championship team and, you know, current teams. And he had posters and pictures and just everything. If, you know, somebody found him a a Browns checkers game and it was Browns helmets and Steelers helmets. And so you played checkers with that. Only you didn't play with it because you didn't touch stuff in the museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, growing up, you did two things on Sunday in the fall. You went to church and then you watched the Browns play football. And we would all go together, get together over at their house. And, you know, it was kind of like having a holiday every week in the fall, which was really nice. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where it all, you know, stems from. I remember games that were blacked out. We would drive up to their trailer up in Vermilion because they could get the signal from Detroit or Toledo. <laughs> and so we would watch the game that way on a, you know, little TV screen, like a 17 inch screen or whatever. But yeah, that's, that's basically where it comes from. So I, I bleed brown and orange. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you join. I honestly don't remember. I'm not, we've been friends for a while here now. I feel like it's been like, uh, what, about seven years, maybe seven, uh, six, seven, something like that. Five years. It's, yeah. It's hard to remember because Sean and I actually met at a St. Patrick's Day gathering and I am not known <laughs> for having a very good memory after those things. So we met there and actually have crossed paths, us, our wives, our families. Uh, we all live in kind of the same communities and uh, we all do, uh, we've done community theater together and some different things. So I'm just happy to have another uh, Browns fanatic with me to kind of talk through some of this stuff. So I'll tell you what, let's get going. Let's talk about some of the different things that have been happening. So one of the really cool experiences we did in this kind of brief hiatus here was we visited training camp and this was actually the second year in a row that we got to do that. They do the lottery for the training camp and actually last year Sean was good enough to get his name in and win the lottery and take uh, me and a couple of our friends and also his son to training camp and we got to enjoy that experience and then this year we all got online. Um, to make sure that we got our time in. But we had a really good time. I, I, I really enjoy going up to Bria. I think it's really cool. Yeah. No, it is a lot of fun. And just everybody goes off after stretching and they go in their specialized groups and you look at the equipment that they're using and think, man, <laughs> we could have had that. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different for sure. Um, <laughs> not to mention that, just the enormity of these players is just right. oh, yeah. mind-boggling. To, to just see even it. from up in the stands, Miles Garrett's a giant. So right, and I can sit here on my five ten, two hundred some pound body and look out and read that somebody else is you know five ten, one seventy five. That's not the same. That's no. not the same. It's <laughs> nowhere near the same. <laughs> you know, when those people could probably take you up over their head, but you know, it was, it's a lot of fun. I, I would encourage anybody, if you're, if you're ever thinking about going to training camp, it is really a great time. I honestly, before we went these last couple of years, I hadn't been to a true training camp practice since they used to practice at Kent state university when yeah. I was a very little kid. And back then it was not an event 
I mean, you, you basically went, the guys came out, they practiced, they walked away. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on, but if, if anybody's out there, you know, whether you want to go see it yourself or you have kids to go out there, they do some really cool stuff. You know, and, and also the, the guys on the team will come and interact with people as long as they're in a good mood, you know, um, if practice was hard, if it was hot. And actually the, the day we were there, it was so hot. Coach says, if Cade makes this field goal, we can be done. And so everyone's, you know, you know, egging him on, come on, man, we don't want to be out here any longer, blah, blah, blah. And so he made the kick. I think it was like, what, like a 45, 50 yard field goal. Yeah. Yeah. It was like yeah, something like that. And he made the kick that I, it, it was almost like the end of Rudy. They were going to pick him up and carry him off the field. Yeah. <laughs> it, did. It, it did look a little bit like they'd want to want a playoff game or something the way they were cheering. And, and we were there, I think within gosh, within like 15, 20 minutes of them starting. Cause they were in full pads and they had helmets and everything on uh, coach blew the whistle and just said, okay, everybody just, you know, we're, we're switching this up. Take your helmets off. We're not going to do that kind of contact because it's just way too hot out here. Yeah. It was, it was, it was quite, quite hot out there, but I do recommend to anybody to go out there and check it out. You know, they have really cool things like the dogs, the, the adoption. Yeah, the, the, the dog the, pound. Uh, yeah. That was, that was really cool to see that. And then there's usually just a lot of co cool things with the kids, everybody trying to get an autograph and, and it was just a really good time. So we, so we did training camp and did that kind of got us geared up, ready to roll. But there's some other things that have happened since last time we're on air. And I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't catch the top headline. And that would be um, some of the quote unquote resolution associated with Deshaun Watson. Um, so, you know, when we recorded our first episode, we didn't really have any idea what was going to be happening, but now at this point, as we record this one, there has been a suspension, there's been an appeal, and there's been a settlement. So now we know that uh, Deshaun Watson is out for the first 11 games of the season and uh, received a pretty hefty fine. Um, but I think best of all of this is that we have enough resolution to start focusing on the team, start focusing on how we start the season and the people who are actually on the roster right now and are going to help us get through this first part of the season. I will ask you, Sean, uh, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Now, you know, obviously the signing of Deshaun Watson is, is a very polarizing subject oh, yeah. um, amongst all Browns fans, but I think the biggest thing is that it's just really changed how people, their patience level with things that are coming from the Browns, that, that things that are around the Browns. So, so I'd be interested. Do you think that this situation has caused some hot seats around no, the Browns? You know, honestly, not this year. They had to go into this signing knowing that he was going to be sitting out. They are in a win now mentality. Yes. Is Deshaun the guy to get him there? Hopefully they're paying him that much money to do it. Uh, but you've got Miles Garrett, you've got Nick Chubb coming towards the end of their contracts, uh, their extensions and everything. Um, and you've got a bunch of other talented guys. You bring in Amari Cooper and um, everybody else. And you sit there and you say, well, we're going to sign this guy, but we know he's not going to play that much this year. So it's going to be next year that people will be on the hot seat, in my opinion. You know, when they know they have Deshaun for a whole season, that's when the, that's when the juice is going to get turned up. Well, yeah, you know what? I, I would tend to agree with you. I do think that there might be a little bit of warmth in the seats, but I, but I don't know necessarily that it has to do specifically with Watson. I think, I think one of the things that might pe have people watching a lot is, is what we've done with the quarterbacks behind Watson. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are choices that the front office made, whether Jacoby Brissett was going to be the guy, whether uh, Josh Dobbs was going to be able to help out. Those are things that were decided pretty early on in the process. So those are the decisions that are going to be interesting um, to see, did that really pan out? Because uh, as we've seen here with the setting of the final 53, um, those are some things that we've decided to just go with. So I think how the team plays and how they rally around um, Jacoby Brissett and how the, the game plan looks yeah. for the first 11 weeks, I think is going to be big. 
I, I, I think it's going to change the tenor. I mean, if uh, this is Cleveland, I, I mean, we all complain about lots of things that happen with the team, but, you know, I've heard people say, Hey, if we come out of the first 11 games and we're six and five, we'll be in good shape. I don't buy that. I, I don't think that that six and five is what you built the rest of this roster for. No. So I, I actually think that, you know, they need to do a little bit better than that. Um, yeah, for, for, you know, the coaches that are always saying next man up and the players say the same thing, next man up. So are you going to play for the next man up? Right. Know? Right. So, yeah, I think, I think that's big. I think, I think it's really big and we'll get into it when we talk a little bit later here in the, in the episode about, about the actual 53 man roster and some of the decisions that were made. Um, but you, you alluded to it. There's a lot of really big stars on this team with some big contracts that are extensions that we've invested in. Um, and we, you hear a lot of people talking about not wasting a season of their careers. Well, right. you know, yes, you can say some of that for the front office, but you also have to look at the players and you have to look at the coaches and you have to say, Hey, you know, you got that kind of talent. Everybody says we have a top talent roster. Well, you know, I'm just not sure that I'm, I'm re- willing to say, Ooh, six and five. That's the yeah. goal. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm hoping for better than that. Absolutely. Um, what, Overall for the season and, and the season expectations, you know, with, with the way that, you know, the, you know, the suspension ends kind of in a weird place in the season with that suspension being at 11 games, like we said, that's more than half of the season. So does that suspension where it's falling anything, does that do anything about what your expectations are for the season? You know what, you with, with, with the talent that is in the AFC North, you know, you got Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and hopefully their running backs are coming back from, you know, bad injuries. They got decimated last year. Hopefully, you know, they'll be coming back, but Lamar, he's one of those guys where he could almost do it all himself. Um, And then you down in Cincinnati, Zach Taylor is just, they went ballistic last season, you know, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase reconnecting from school. They're going to be the team to beat this year. That's for, that's for sure. The Steelers are in a bit of a rebuild. Kenny Pickett's probably going to be the starter for him at least by the end of the season. And um, I, I, I don't see us winning the AFC North. I hate to say it, but I don't see it happening. Are we a lock for a wild card? Absolutely. Yeah. I um. I it's it's funny because I do think that the stuff with Watson did tenor down my expectations a little bit because I would have said that I was ready for us to win a win the division. We haven't won the division um, in many many years, um, and so I would have said that's the next step. You need to you need to win games. We we did take two from Cincinnati, but we stumbled with Pittsburgh and we stumbled with Baltimore last year, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm waiting for that season where where we go better than 500 within the north and and that's that's something that i want to see um but you're right i i don't think that cincinnati is a mirage at all i think that um they they did strike gold it's funny because you know you talk about coaches that were on the hot seat um zach taylor was more than halfway out the door Mm-hmm. when uh, Joe Burrow arrived and all of a sudden the energy that put went in there um, starting to bring that team around. They definitely have flaws. Um, and I do think they have flaws that can be somewhat exploited by some of the bigger teams right. and, and things. But that being said, um, they, they showed a lot last year and I don't see any reason to believe they won't be a tough out this year. I do think that, I do think that Pittsburgh's going to still struggle a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, the, the thing with the quarterbacks, I'm not sure, you know, Pickett looks good, but I don't, again, just like we're going to talk about some of the other pieces and stuff, you know, he looked good against some backups against Um, guys that are going to be bagging groceries next week. Yeah. Right. And, and that doesn't mean that I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback. I just think he's exactly what he was advertised as. I think you've got a guy who was a five-year starter um showed a lot at Pitt. Um, but 
let's be honest, there's a reason we pay with play pit and you're not playing at some other places. Right. And there's a different level of competition and some different things to learn. And I just think he he's going to need a little bit of time. I think the tough part for some Pittsburgh fans out there is going to be that I don't really know that they bought him a lot of time with the likes of Mitchell Trubisky and holding on to Mason Rudolph. So I I don't think he's going to start for them to start the season, but I just think it's a matter of time. Yeah. And the question will be, is it too early? Because as Browns fans, we know exactly what that's like <laughs> when when you have a rookie quarterback who starts way too early and it just messes everything up. So um, not that I'll shed a tear for them, but I think that that's going to be a challenge for them. Right, and then, right. you know, Baltimore, everybody always thinks that Baltimore is going to have a tough year some year and it just never happens. So I think the reality is you need to assume that Baltimore is going to be exactly who they have always been. And you need to find a way to step up to the, to the bully of the playground, man. You need to get right. in there and you need to fight with them. So I, I do think, I kind of agree with you. I think that especially with the extension of the wild card, um, the number of teams in the wild card round, um, yeah. I think I, it would be, it would be a major disappointment for the Browns not to catch the wild card. Um, I guess we can catch lightning in the bottle. And if, if things come out really strong, um, you know, I, I kind of agree with you though. I think, I think winning the AFC North is going to be a, a really big challenge. Um, so hopefully, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd love to get past 500 in the division again, um, oh, yeah. but we'll see what happens. Um, so with that, I mean, you know, we ended the preseason one and two. Yay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yay or boo, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, well, we were talking about this before it, and you've said it, it's, it's hard to get excited when the ones aren't playing if, or they're, if they do play, they don't, they play for one series or two series and it's just not, you know, you're, you're basically watching guys audition for, for the team. Right. Right. And, and you know what, I think of anything that I took away from the preseason this year um, was the underlying, um, this is evaluation time mm -hmm. that has come to the Browns that we haven't experienced before. And I think some of the conversations that you see, you know, out on um, Brown's Twitter and, and everything is everybody's um, upset or, or, happy about the 53 we are approaching this from a position of a team that typically didn't have any talent in different places and preseason games meant a lot yeah you, you were trying to figure out who your starters were going to be right and this is one of the first years i remember in a long time where not only did starters not play as much some starters just didn't play at all Mm -hmm. and and quite a few um and i think it's a little bit of following you know kind of the um la rams model um so you know sean mcveigh is one of the first coaches who basically said hey these are my designated starters they don't need to be out there right and and everybody else can go out there and play and practice but um there's no reason for me to put them on the line and you know he, did he buy his team extra freshness right. there for the end of the season to, to make the playoff push. Who knows? Who knows if it's that much, but it's a copycat league. And mm -hmm. I think that we, what we saw out of Kevin Stefanski and the, and the coaching staff was the willingness to embrace that and just let's put out these other guys and let's see what they've got. And mm -hmm. um, so I really, I, I walked away thinking of the preseason games as, as not, not that much more important than the training camp experiences we saw. Right. Um, you know, Dobbs and Ford looked amazing. Dobbs, you were saying he is a brilliant football mind. Um, he studies hard, and they say that constantly when they're talking about him. That's why he's going to be the number two for 11 weeks. Um, you know, that he's the guy that will be able to step in if Jacoby, God forbid, goes down. Um, and Ford, you know, he was well worth the pick, but I'll tell you the, the star of all of training camp and, um, 
where he's going to the preseason games uh, is Cade York. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I actually, my wife and I went to the bears game and all around me, it was just, Oh, I, I got to get a Cade York Jersey. I'm getting a York uh, Jersey. He's, he is the new Phil Dawson. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for all of you listening. So Sean and I over the off season have gone back and forth. And, and I, I think I've even said it on the last podcast. I'm not really um, kicker guy. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, you, you need someone to put it through the uprights, you get someone to put it through the uprights, but, but yes, I That's would say <laughs> there is a lot of excitement. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, we talked about Cincinnati down, down South and, I think a lot of that excitement is based off of how Evan McPherson stood, stepped up for them, especially down the stretch and in some clutch situations going into the playoffs. And I think it reminded, I don't know that Cleveland needed a ton of reminding that kickers were important um, for scoring, but um, I think it reminded everybody that they can really win games. Um, so I don't know that I was over the moon that we had to get a kicker, but but we did, and we got the best one that was available at the time, um, and he seems to be the right investment. So I, I will begrudgingly agree that, but that he was probably um, the darling of the preseason. Um, he showed a lot of a lot of big stuff. You, do you see that pre? Were, were you in the stadium when he did the pregame, the seventy yarder pregame kick? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's pretty intense. <laughs> but. Um, but anyway, so yes, I, I think that um, coming out of the preseason, I think I share some of the concerns that stick out to everybody. Um, the biggest concern to me is the wide receivers. Oh. Um, <laughs> now, I say that with the caveat, like, like you did, that we did not see Amari Cooper. And, and, and I think it's important to realize that when you don't see Amari Cooper on the field for those different formations and for those different plays then donovan people's jones isn't doing what he's going to normally do right and and at the time when anthony schwartz is stepping in then for amari cooper and we'll, we'll talk more about anthony schwartz later but when he's stepping in there he's not doing what amari cooper is going to do right. and so there's this whole chain effect that happens there so so i do take with a little bit of grain of salt about what we saw in there but I will say that that is probably the biggest area that are we going to get the step up from people's Jones and from Schwartz and from these, and, and are we going to see what we're hoping to see out of David Bell mm -hmm. at that position? Um, because yes, we're a running team. I think there's no doubt. Um, and we should be hanging our hopes on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and, and that entire running back room. But at the same token, you, you got to throw the ball every once in a while. This is the NFL. Oh, yeah. um, so are these guys going to get open? What's going to happen? So I think that that was one of my big concerns. Um, the other, um, I just haven't seen anybody um, step up and really dominate the defensive tackle discussion. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, we, we saw... You know, we saw Perry on Winfrey. We've seen all the all we've seen the bluster, right? Mm -hmm. And I like him. I, I really do. And actually, I'm not I, I, I kind of like it. I, I kind of like the chip. He seems like a guy who really wants to be part of Cleveland, the dog pound. It seems like something that's right up his alley. But but I'm really looking for some step up. And I don't know that I saw consistency out of that group. And right. um, now a lot of people are touting that even though it may that we may not have seen it as much in the games that Jordan Elliott um, is, is a guy who had some very good camp uh, practices and has really started to take the next step forward. But I think that's a group that I'm just, I'm a little concerned with. Um, I'm tired of tackles five, six yards down the field. I want to see some stuff stopped at the line. So Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's a group that I'm I'm definitely thinking about. Is there any any other different concerns or anything that excited you coming out of the out of the preseason? Um, you know, honestly, the main thing. 
the main thing for me is like you said consistency and and we can talk about this more when we get into the 53 man roster but you know you talk about uh Stefanski likes to call these tight you know he likes using all every you know every tight end he has he likes using them in in his play calling and everything and he he only kept two yeah which is is a little strange but yeah you know like i said we can get into that more uh when we get down to that part but as far as you know preseason goes it's 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 like you said it's because the ones aren't in there the other guys aren't doing what um what they thought they were going to do and i will say i do like Uh, you know, the main thing, the thing that worries me the most, and I'm sure worries a lot of fans and coaching staffs, uh, is the injury bug that always happens during training camp in the preseason games. Uh, unfortunately, the first game we lost Nick Harris, and he was just, you know, he, this was going to be his year. Um, that was a big one. That was, that was something. Um, and... Uh, I'll admit I was I was far more concerned about it, and then some people have stepped up, and I saw some good things yeah, from some other people. But, six, but that Nick hurt Nick Harris injury was something that that right out of the gate to get hit with that one kind of sucked. Right, and then you know in the Bears game, Grant Delpit goes down with a hip injury, and uh, Wyatt Teller goes down with a knee injury, and they they held them out. They said. they're going to be okay, but we're going to play on the, you know, we're going to err on the side of caution and keep them out of the game. So you're just hoping that whatever it was that took them out, isn't something that's going to linger. Right. Um, Right. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing to, to me about preseason is you're always worrying about injuries and somebody going down. Um, You know, it's happened to us so many times. I mean, the Charles Bentley, he was that, you know, beautiful, huge center that was going to anchor the line for us first play of training camp he goes down and then he keeps those staff infections you know what was that 15 years ago whatever um so yeah and it's in the drops the wide receivers you're worried about that um but there's really not a whole lot else that you can say you know you have to temp you have to temper your expectations when you think, oh, wow, this guy looked really good. He was also playing against a guy who's not playing anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, you, you, you watch these games and it is a little bit of you got to you got to ride the highs and lows. You can't get too excited about it and you can't get too depressed about it either. I think that, you know, we need to realize as fans that as much as these things are on, the bright lights of TV and it's a game in the stadiums and people are cheering. The reality is it's practice. It is, it is a joint practice that's happening in front of your eyes. And and there's just some things you're going to see and things you're not going to see. And, and you need to write it out. Well, you know, as, as we've kind of alluded to, and you alluded to there, I think one of the big things that comes out of preseason is, you know, the, the hemming down of the roster. And I think that one of the things that has been unique, as we allude, we talked about, um, is the idea that we have a lot of talent. So a lot of the positions that we're moving on this roster might be, you know, we're debating the, you know, fifth wide receiver and the sixth defensive end and stuff right. like that. So um, why don't we take a minute here? Um, let's run down the the fifty three. So yeah. um, as we're recording this, this is actually Wednesday the thirty first. So. Uh, we've gone through the 53, the final cut down, um, and we also have gone through the initial waiver process. So um, we got a little bit of insights on that. So I'll start with the offense. How about that? Let's, yeah, sure. let's start there and we'll start with the obvious quarterback room. So obviously we had Jacoby Brissett as our starter and and Josh Dobbs. I think Jacoby showed me kind of what I was expecting um, in the preseason. I don't know that I expected him to set the world on fire. I didn't, I don't know that I expected to see a lot of different tools. I, I think just like Kevin Stefanski said, the goal was to make sure you're communicating, you're getting plays in, 
Um, you're doing the things that you're supposed to do. And I think one of the big reasons that he didn't play as much is the Browns knew just as well as anybody that they were going to need him and they right. were going to need him at the beginning of the season. Josh Dobbs, uh, I think he is, was also in the running for one of the darlings of, of training camp. I think that um, there was a lot of positive feedback about him mm-hmm. um, just coming from being signed from the Steelers to begin with. He's a very, very smart guy, um, known for being very good at helping in the film room and for guiding things like the scout teams. And so he showed a lot of energy, which I think, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with the uh, doldrums here of, of preseason games, it's kind of fun to see oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't love watching him dive into the end zone from <laughs> almost the five yard line when we need him, but he survived. But then one of the big surprises that happened in the quarterback room over the last couple of days was the signing of Kellen Mond claimed him on the first round of waivers from the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. And so Kellen Mond is, he's just going into his second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was drafted last year in the third round by the Vikings. I think they thought that they might have someone who could step up in the shoes of Kirk Cousins. And I and I really, honestly, I don't know uh, fully what might have happened or not happened there in uh, Minnesota. But I think a lot of people were surprised that that was our first waiver wire move. But what I do know is someone has to run this, run the scout team. You are in a position where, yes, that might be something that you know Josh Dobbs is going to do in the future, but he can't now. Right. No. We need, we need his mindset to be ready at any moment to back up Jacoby. So I'm okay with it. You sign, you sign Kellen Mond, take a little of the stuff off of Josh Dobbs' plate, mm-hmm. um, just so that we make sure that we're solid in that room, at least for the first 11 weeks. And hey, if he's, if he's not any good after 11 weeks, then he'll get cut just like right. before and you'll go back down to to the standard three. And and to be honest, he's probably a long shot to get past the, the 11th week, no matter what. Um, then we go to the running back room. So everybody knows uh, running back is the strength of the Cleveland Browns roster. I think the surprise for me with the running backs is that we still have all five. You know, I I think if I'm being honest, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on Dearness Johnson. I think that um, as much as I like his skill set and as much as I like his energy when he comes in and and what he gives to us uh, and what he has given to us in, in various spot duties. Um, I mean, he single handedly won a game for us last year. Mm-hmm. I think that he's the one with the most value and the easiest to kind of trade and move that value. And I think that he's the one that's going to most likely get us any kind of return. You mentioned Jerome Ford earlier. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big surprises is when we drafted Jerome Ford, I wasn't completely sure why we were drafting another running back. We have so many running backs in a stacked room. I wasn't sure what was happening. And then I kind of talked myself into the idea that, okay, well, you know, you always need people on the special teams and another running back on special teams is not that big a deal. And then to see that skill set come out right off the get go mm-hmm. and realize, okay, wait a minute, this is not just some special teams running back. This right. is somebody with, with a lot of skills. He's I the think guy that, that can step up if we do trade Dearness Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that gives you a lot of comfort going forward, right? You know, yeah. you've got a guy in Jerome Ford who looks like, if God forbid we have any kind of injuries in that running back room, who mm-hmm. looks like he might be comfortable backing up either of right. our starters and um, playing either the role of Nick Chubb or playing the role of Kareem Hunt and doing both of those. So that right. was good. Um, Demetric Felton, I think, while while yes, technically we're saving five running backs, I think all signs point to Demetric Felton's role being far more as part of the wide yeah. receiver room yeah. and in the special teams game. Yeah, um, that's what that's exactly what I was going to step in and say. I am surprised, though, you know, uh, letting go of well, they let go of Kelly, but they signed him back to the practice squad. Did, um, but I am surprised letting go of Stanton because, you know, not a whole lot of people were using the fullback. You know, it's not a common position anymore, but he he did his job when he was in. Right. And I liked having him in there. So I'm, I'm curious 
if it, this is going to be one of those things where they have Harrison Bryant every once in a while step back into a fullback row, uh, a role, I should say, or, you know, or maybe even Jerome Ford stepping in there as a fullback. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that's interesting is, are we seeing what we were hoping to see out of Kevin Stefanski last year? I heard a lot of people who said, you know, he calls his offense. He doesn't change. He's not, he's not playing to our strengths. You, you alluded to how much he likes the 12-man formations and he wants right. to have, you know, the two tight ends in there all the time and use them all the time. And here he, he didn't protect extra tight ends and he let his fullback go, which up until now has been almost a no-brainer on his rosters to have three tight ends and the extra fullback. So are we going to see something a little bit different? Is this a, is this a tell as to where we're going a little bit with this offense? So, you know, time will tell, mm-hmm. um, but, but I would agree. Yeah. Johnny Stanton seemed like a really great guy. He also seemed like someone who really enjoyed being in Cleveland and part of the community. So um, uh, I'm disappointed. Hopefully he catches on somewhere. Cause I, I still think he had a lot to give. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about the next, probably the ugliest part of (laughs) of the preseason and the ugliest conversations on brown's twitter which is the wide receiver room okay so so we didn't see anything out of amari cooper in the preseason now all locations from camp all the uh, rumblings from camp are that he is exactly as advertised that you are watching the the Nick Chubb of the wide receiver rooms, that this is a guy who doesn't talk. He's not into the jawing back and forth. He's just there to do his job and that he is a very polished route runner. Yeah, um, didn't you say it at um, when we were at camp, Newsom said the worst guy to play against across from is Cooper because he'll burn you and then he'll just go do it again. He won't say yeah, Yes, yes. There's been, Greg Newsom has talked a lot about um, his pleasure at uh, jawing back and forth with teammates and with opposing players and that uh, he ex- he expects to be doing more talking this year because he's not a rookie anymore. So hopefully he'll keep backing that up. But yes, he did have an interview where he said, man, you know, it isn't so much that you, you're intimidated by Cooper, you know, you got to do your job, but you know, when you can't get a rise out of a guy, you know, that he's, that he knows exactly what he wants to do and you can't push him off that spot. Uh, that is, that is a challenge. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to seeing what Amari Cooper brings to the table. And then, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, not as much, not as much rumbling about the positives of Donovan Peoples Jones this training camp. Now, not not a lot of negatives. I haven't heard that he's dropping balls. I haven't heard that he's not doing things. But you know, this is he's a player who last year we were hearing about how he's making all these catches and he's doing all these things. So I think they need him to step up in a big way. Oh, yeah. um, and so he is the big question mark for me in the wide receiver room. Cause if he doesn't step up as we've seen lots of wide receivers in the past that we've drafted, not step up. If he doesn't step up into that role and kind of take that second wide receiver spot, right? we got a lot of trouble because behind him, we've got a rookie and David Bell who looks the part. I think in a lot of ways, when David Bell got drafted, everybody looked at that as, okay, this is the Jarvis Landry replacement. This is the guy who's going to play in the slot, catch the ball, good hands, be be a reliable guy. And he showed, you know, he he had injuries in training camp, so we didn't get to see as much out of him as we would have liked. But in the last game against Chicago, we did see a lot of those, the quick hands and a lot of the catches. And and not we're not talking like brain game breaking speed or anything. We're talking about the tough catch for the first down to keep the chains moving. And, right. and so if he can continue to do that, I think that he's going to be a great complement to that room. But then we have Anthony Schwartz. <laughs> um, so all Brown's fandom has been a fire with the performance or lack of, of performance of Anthony Schwartz throughout the preseason. And I think he hasn't had a good camp. I don't think there's any way to deny it. Hasn't had a good camp. He's been extremely inconsistent in practice. And then when he's gotten to the preseason games, he's been even less than consistent. A lot of drop balls. And in fact, you know, we talked about them coming out in Chicago and he is playing the role of Amari Cooper on the field 
And in the first drive, I think they, they went to him three times and got nothing out of it. And then they went to him three more times, got nothing out of it. We're seeing drops on bad balls. So there's a, he's a guy who needs a confidence boost. I, I don't know exactly how that happens. I don't know how he gets that at this point, but he needs it. Um, does he need a confidence boost or does he need a smack on the butt and sent down to the practice squad? Well, I don't know. I think us. you're, you're going to go over here just because we've, we've got you and we can use you if necessary. Well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that we have to realize about Anthony Schwartz is he was always a project and that he truly hasn't put in a full season yet. That's true. He was out all last year, which, you know, raises durability questions. It could. Yes, it, it very well could. Um, so I think there's a question mark about durability. What Anthony Schwartz has that you just can't teach is speed. Right. And so the reality is that you need that threat. You need that to, to be on your field. Not every team has it. And even some teams that have it don't use it. But I think that you need to figure out what's going on there. And I think, you know, what Kevin Stefanski has said is true. You know, we're going to give him his time. Now, do I think he's right on the edge? I do. I, I think that there's not much rope. Right. No, just, I mean, um, it, it's not much of a threat to have a speedster if the other team knows he can't catch the ball. Right. And I, you know what, and I think this lead lends it back to, you know, one of the big disappointments of camp is the loss of Jakeem Grant. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that Jakeem was going to bring um, some much needed explosiveness to special teams. Oh yeah. Um, when we were there, when we were there for the training camp day, he was the star of that day for me. Yeah, he was because they were doing a drill where he was catching kicks, two guys coming in the wedge at him. And it is, it's basically they're playing touch, touch football. He's right. making the, the, the kick returners making a move and the two guys trying to stop him. And no one touched Jakeem. No, he teleported the entire the time. He was gone. <laughs> he, he, he started, he started the drill you know, putting on a bunch of moves, being serious. And by the end, he was laughing because yeah. no one could touch him. Yeah. And, and so unfortunately, almost, I think a day or two later is when he hurt himself. Right. Um, and we lost that. But I think what we didn't know or didn't see is that Jakeem Grant brought that same kind of speed. And I don't know that Jakeem Grant was, I mean, if he was a rock star receiver, he wouldn't right. have been available, but he had the opportunity to potentially ease that load while Anthony Schwartz was trying to figure this out. Right. I don't think there's anybody to ease that role right now. And so Schwartz is either going to have to figure it out or like you said, I, I don't know that he's going to have much rope here. So with all these concerns, well, not all these concerns, but with legitimate large concerns in the wide receiver room, do you think there's a free agent out there that we need to, you know, do we need to call OBJ? Should he have not sold his house? Well, I think, so one, I got to believe that that's not really something that OBJ is interested in. Not, I don't think it's necessarily about any bad blood with the team. I think it has a lot to do just with what OBJ is. He's a brand. He's a, yeah. he's, he, he's oh a larger God. than life figure. And, and he needs to be he's, the star. He's, he's in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's a free agent right now, but he's only a free agent because he's rehabbing. If he right. wasn't rehabbing, he probably would have already resigned with LA and we wouldn't even be having the conversation. So I, I don't really think OBJ is the answer. And I don't know exactly who's out there that you want to go get. They've made it obvious that they, they really don't want to spend a whole lot more money that they yeah. want to be able to roll some of this over. So with the free agent wide receivers, I think that makes it tough. I know a lot of people were upset that we grabbed Kellen Mond before we addressed wide receivers. I would just say that if you look at the waiver wire order, I don't really know any of the wide receivers who were available after the first couple were picked up yeah. were actually significantly better than what we were watching. And maybe, maybe you think they were better than Anthony Schwartz, but at the same token, we don't know if Anthony Schwartz is going to continue to hold his spot on the depth chart as it is. Right. So the one that I was really surprised on, and, and I want to make sure we move on to some of these other 
uh, position groups. But um, I was really surprised we let Javon Wims go. Yeah. So what that tells me, we saw him have some really good games. Um, I liked how he contested for for catches. Uh, yeah. How he was high pointing a lot of catches. I really, I really liked that part, and he and he looked like a good, big, physical guy. Um, what that tells me, since we're looking at the practice squad signings, and we brought back Dalen Baldwin, who really didn't spend a, a ton of time in camp with us. He was a late addition to the camp, yeah. and, and, and Mike Harley, who actually had a really good game in Chicago as well. I think what that tells me is there must have been some separation between the three of them in practice. Also, too, to be honest. I didn't look up everybody's contracts and sometimes it's just money. Right. Um, especially when you're talking about guys who may or may not be on the field. Um, so and to kind of round out what we've got in the offense. Um, there is the offensive line. I don't think there's a lot of surprises that happened on the offensive line. I think the biggest thing that I walked away from in the preseason was the center position wasn't such a hit as I thought it was going to be. Right. Now, I still think that it's something we got to keep watching and be careful on and everything. Yeah. But when we first lost Nick Harris, I was under the impression we had nobody. Right. And we better go out and get anybody we could. We needed some well, bodies. We talked about re-signing J.C. Treader. Yep. Yep. And the only reason he was cut was because he was a cap casualty. But... Yeah. I think I think I didn't know what we had in Ethan Posick. Right. Um, so I think he looks like he can be very solid. Um, but what I also didn't know is what we had behind them. I right. think in the couple times that Michael Dunn came in, I know yeah. that he subbed in for us last year at different times. I think he still showed a lot um, and he showed that he could handle that. Um, I also saw some good games and some good practices out of Brock Hoffman, who ended up coming back to our practice squad. Mm -hmm. um yeah. so so i felt a little bit better about that I'm, I'm a little surprised how many offensive linemen we we kept um you know you never can it, it's always good to have depth i just don't know that oh, i yeah. thought we were going to save 10 um but you can never have enough of those big guys uh you know i was i was a little surprised about blake uh blake hans um he was he was a good guy he was he filled in you know, it, it was that Cinderella story, stepped in off the street and played that night and whatever. Um, but I did see that he, uh, San Francisco picked him up off waivers. So, and, and like you said, it could have just come down to, to money. They might've been able yep. to get a couple hundred grand or whatever. Right, uh, right. You know, Jed Wills Jr., he's coming back from that uh, bad ankle sprain that he played most of the season through. And through that, you know, he only gave up 28 pressures I do think that Willis has had a, had a really good camp. And I also think too, that even though it was tough on us last year, the experience that James Hudson got yeah. stepping in when he was supposed to be the project, getting some of that experience, I think helped out a lot. And then, you know, while he's typically the backup over at right tackle, Chris Hubbard brings you a lot of comfort level behind those guys too. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Yelda Frohold. I, I, I want to see if he'll, he, he might be fun. He's a fun. I have to, I have to applaud you on that. I didn't even want to try to pronounce that name. <laughs> you know what? Phonetics is a great thing. Yes. But he actually, I mean, I thought he had some good showings in some games too. So I, I feel good about the offensive line. I'm, I was a little bit surprised that we kept 10 active. Yeah. And then the last part of the offensive group um, is the tight end room. And I don't know that there were a whole lot of surprise happening in the tight end room. And that's you know? a tight end closet because there's yeah. only two of them. <laughs> right. Uh, well, but I also don't think they're a huge surprise. So you have David Njoku, who we've got to be expecting big things out of. It's a big contract, oh, yeah. paid him prospect money, hoping for the future. And he's going to be a big piece. And I think you saw that that was what in the last preseason game at Chicago that the offense was really focused on was Brissett and Njoku's timing. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's a big thing. And I do think that Harrison Bryant shows a lot in different times. Oh, I still think he's young, I think, but, but he does show a lot of athleticism and the ability to play in there. You mentioned the idea that I do think that Harrison Bryant is a guy who could drop back off the line, give you a little bit out of a, maybe a fullback type position. Right. giving you some stuff but 
then we had a room full of guys that we just didn't really know. Now, Miller, Miller Forstall ended up being the one who got invited back to be on the practice squad along with Zaire Mitchell Payton. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Forrestal did play a mm-hmm. lot during the preseason. We saw him catch a couple touchdowns and be involved in the game. Mitchell Payton, I noticed on special teams. I noticed someone who seemed to really embrace that role. I, I, yeah. I know he played a lot there. So it'll be interesting to see where he develops. I also am of the opinion that I would not be super surprised to see us sign another tight end here. We we have four spots left on our practice squad, but also two, I'm even just a veteran. One of those free agents that you're talking about, maybe not a top tier free agent, right? somebody to help in that area to give us some depth and make sure that we're covering all our bases there. That, that would not surprise me if we see that move before we actually see week one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked a lot here now about the offense. Let's not forget about the other guys. Let's talk a little bit about the defense and some of the things that saw. So I know you, you spent a lot of time focused in on this group. So tell me some of the, yeah. your thoughts. Well, I mean, you know, it's the old saying offense wins games, defense wins championships. And, you know, this defense is it, they're built to move. Um, you know, we brought Jadavian back, which was a huge weight, I think, off of Miles Garrett's shoulders. Because when he's lined up across from him, he knows that he's going to have a little bit extra time or, you know, one less guy is going to be on him. So he can might have that opportunity to get around. You know, we brought in Chase Winovich, who's really embracing uh, Cleveland and its fan base. You know, we had Weatherly, unfortunately, we lost him for the season. So we brought in Chris Odom, who was the USFL Defensive Player of the Year, and he led the league in sacks. And then, unfortunately, he gets hurt. But, you know, we got Alex Wright off the draft. We got Perry and Winfrey. Jordan Elliott, like you said earlier, is really coming to his own. Uh, Tommy Togiai is... He's one of those guys that kind of is kind of all over the field. If the ball gets past him, he's following it. And I like our defensive line. I wish, you know, we had a little more meat in the middle to stuff up the, to stuff the run. But, you know, that's why I'm sitting here and I'm not in an office in Berea. They, these guys know what they're doing. So, or at least we hope they know what they're doing. Well, Um, I will, I will tell you this position group, this defensive line, this is where I, the, my biggest surprise of the cuts was, and I don't know that it was a giant thing, but I was an Isaac Rochelle fan. Yeah. I really thought that he had an outstanding camp and showed a lot on the field. And I thought that he would be very useful as, as, as a rotational person with miles and with um, Jadavian, but we let him go. And I think we let him go because of what was being seen out of Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. even more than Chase Winovich. Because um, I think a lot of people thought it was probably between Isaac and Chase, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think we signed Chase Winovich for a reason mm-hmm. as a free agent. I think if you really pair up their numbers, you know, Chase Winovich has had a couple good years that kind of eclipsed Isaac's career so far. Yeah. So I think that he might've been a little bit more of a lock-in than we might have thought. I think what you saw is that they saw enough out of Isaiah Thomas, a very late round rookie pick, right? that they didn't want to let him walk. They wanted to make sure that they got to see what they had out of him. And Alex Wright has given what I thought he'd give at this point. I have high hopes for him. I think he has build and the size and some of the, the skill sets that should make him be somebody who can hopefully step up and be maybe the guy who takes over when Clowney decides to move to somewhere else. But I think it really came down to those guys at the bottom who showed enough for Rochelle not to stay. I I, I was sad to see him go though. I, I, that was the one that I, I I really thought he was going to make it. Um, You know, you jump back to the next level and you got the linebackers, Anthony Walker, Jr. You know, of course we're going to hang on to him and Jacob Phillips the guy I love, though, and and I know you're you're in the same boat as me, Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa. He is just he reminds me so much of AJ Hawk. You know, just wherever that ball is, that's where JOK is. And AJ Hawk was the same way playing in Green Bay. I just I can't get enough of watching that guy play. He's just he's an animal, and he's all over the place. He loves to play the game. I think JOK is great. 
it's interesting you have the AJ Hawk comparison. I I don't know that I see that as much as I just see this new breed of linebacker. I see the Micah Parsons, that very similar athletic skill set, the guy who can bring the wood, but also too the coverage skills that are really becoming such a big thing. And so I, for a lot of people, you know, JOK, dark horse to really step up and become even a bigger player, potentially even a, a Pro Bowl caliber type player. I think there's a lot of excitement to be had for him. Right. Um, you know, the guy, the guy that concerns me, and don't get me wrong, he is a very good player, Sioni Takitaki, but he has those moments. And it's just, those are the moments that you're not supposed to have when you're a professional football player, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, I mean, usually when you look at any team, um, at least in the modern era, and you're looking at different linebackers, usually there's a, a star, a, a, a supporting star, and then somebody who's a no-name linebacker, but who just does the work and just does the role. And I think with Taki Taki, I, I hear you. I, th- I think that's the thing is I, I think he needs a little more to be even just that guy who you can just count on. I think that there's a little bit of a push coming behind him. I do think that the Browns love what they're getting. You know, Jacob Phillips is a project and mm-hmm. it's somebody that they brought in last year. He dealt with injuries and didn't get to spend as much time. But I think that he is someone that the Browns are really high on. So I think he might be the guy breathing down Taki Taki's neck. I am not going to try to pronounce Jordan's name. I did not <laughs> get, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Kunisik. Um, So I would say there's something about him. Yeah. Because again, that, that's another player who came late to camp, but made the 53. So something that the, there's enough there, yeah. something that they like, that might be the guy who is there as kind of the, for lack of a better term, the talkie talkie insurance, but, and, and they do like Tony Fields as well. So some good names there, but I would agree with you. I think that the question mark is talkie talkie. And so is he going to hold on to his starting role? Are we going to see more platoons? Is he the odd man out? We've heard that, um, you know, we're waiting to see it, but we've heard that Joe Woods wants to use more safeties on the, on the field and potentially start using uh, a safety to do more of that linebacker role is Taki Taki, the odd man out in that situation. So something to watch. Speaking of safeties and defensive backs, you have, you know, your, your anchor up at the front of the line, and then you have the linebackers and then in the back, the guys that are, that are on the boat holding everything together. The defensive back, Denzel Ward. I mean, the warden signed a huge contract over the off season. You know, he was hurt in camp too, got his, you know, messed up his foot at the OTAs. So he sat out most of the camp, but he did come back and play in the Bears game. Newsom, he's just, he's a good guy. Uh, and we talked about him earlier. Uh, Greedy Williams, again, a durability question there, but uh, when he is on the field, he's working hard. Um, I liked MJ Emerson Jr. What I saw from him in the Jags game, especially with that pick six. John Johnson the third again, another superstar, but you're not sure how long you're going to have him for. And Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison Jr. DeAnthony Bell, I know he was very surprised that he made the 53-man roster. He may have been a surprised, but I don't think he should have been. I think that uh, DeAnthony Bell really stepped up in the preseason. There, That is a player who I feel like took advantage of every possible rep when he was on the field, whether it was in special teams, whether it was on the field. I mean, he forced multiple turnovers during right. the preseason. He showed you what you like out of some safeties, big, uh, strong hitter going after that ball. Um, I think this whole position group, the, the whole secondary, the cornerbacks and the safeties, I think this is a little bit of the, the different philosophy that the Browns front office seems to be taking from some other teams in the NFL. I think um, in the offseason, especially in the AFC North, it looked like an arms race, right? Everybody going out, how many wide receivers, how much speed. Uh, right. you know, big armed quarterbacks, who are we bringing in? What are we doing? Everybody trying to step up 
that level. And I think that you saw right off the bat when we were all waiting for that first pick that was going to come out of this draft and they, they turned in Martin Emerson. We didn't get it. A lot of us sat there and said, well, wait a minute, we've, we've got Ward. We just took Newsom. They've had good years. We've, we've been working with Greedy Williams. We've got A.J. Green, who's been showing a bunch of stuff. Why do we need another cornerback? And I think what Andrew Barry has said is, yes, it is an arms race, but somebody has to defend against it. Martin Emerson showed it a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates. We have to remember that Martin Emerson didn't always play against guys who are playing now. Right. And so the question will be, how much flexibility does Emerson give at the other side? Are we going to see a platoon of Greedy Williams and Emerson rotating through on the other side of Denzel Ward? Mm-hmm. We love Denzel Ward, but he gets hurt. Yeah. So are these the guys who could step right in there? Um, you know, AJ Green has shown a lot, but he also showed a lot uh, covering the slot. And that is something that they've already flat out said that is going to be Greg Newsom's world. So what are we going to do? How is this all going to play out? But I do think that the front office has shown you that they are valuing the secondary and the ability to stop people in these big air raid offenses. Um, And so hopefully that pans out. I I want to sum up real quick with the defense. I have so much confidence in our defense. And you know this. I took them in our fantasy football draft. (laughs) <laughs> you did, but you know, that's not as bad a pick as it might've been in some other years. So I think our defense, um, they've got a lot to prove, but I think what is different is I think their floor and their ceiling is coming closer together. So to round out this group, we talked about Cade York. Um, it, as much as I, I don't worry too much about kickers. It was not sure. Nice not to talk about a kicking problem all <laughs> all the camp and just know that it was taken care of. We've got a new punter with Corey Bohorkas. He looks like he's got a big leg and he seems to have a good rapport with Cade as the holder on the special right. team. So that's good. And of course, how could we possibly have a 53 man roster without Charlie Hewlett? Right. He, he, that Long is snapper extraordinaire. The man, the myth, the legend. So that's, that's the roster. So, so how do you feel about this? What, do you, what are you looking at? I, like I mentioned, you know, this is only two days after the 53 right. releases. And that right. means just like we saw with Isaac Rochelle, not, not for long, right? You right. have enough exactly. time to have a nice dinner. Think you made the team and thank you for your contribution. We'll talk to you later. So there's still a market out there. There's still positions they want to fill. There's still four positions on the practice squad. What are you, what are you looking to see? You know what, honestly, I'm, if there's some diamond in the rough wide receiver he doesn't have to be a speedster just give me a guy with hands give me a guy that it when the ball hits him in the numbers he holds on to it there's got to be somebody out there that we can i i would like to see a veteran in there and i don't know exactly what role that veteran would play i don't i don't think like for those who are looking for an anthony schwartz replacement i don't think that's coming i don't think that i don't think that's out there i don't think that's skill set is there, but somebody who does add a little bit of presence to that room adds to the practice. Now, we don't know Amari Cooper very well. And the reality is Amari Cooper has been in the league for a while. So maybe that leadership is coming from him. Yeah, I would agree with you. Hopefully we're going to see some of that. If we're not going to see that, I hope we're going to see that either Dalen Baldwin or Mike Harley, who stuck with our practice squad, that they are the next big project receiver moving up for us. Someone, right. someone who is building it from the ground up. Well, good. So, so yeah, I, I, I think as a whole, I'm going to say that I don't have a lot of surprises that came in the 53. I'm interested to see what's going to happen as we fill in. And, you know, I, I just think that some of the positions, as much as we hate it, are a little bit more developmental than we would like them to be. Um, so who's going to step up, what's going to happen here. We've got, you know, a couple weeks here until the opener. Um, so there is some room still for some movement and also some, some good practice time. So hopefully get everybody moving and motivated, uh, for this game in Carolina in week one. <laughs> Wish him all the luck in the world. Just not week one. Except for September 11th, right? 
All right. Well, thanks. I want to thank you for joining me. Hey, man. I love I, it. I, I, Anytime I, you and I can talk about football is a great is a great we, time. We definitely spun a yarn here today as we were talking through everything, but it, it was great to have you on. And hopefully, you know, you'll come back and join me another time. Sound good? Name the day. All right. That would be great. I do want to call out some things. Uh, we are moving into the regular season now with the cardiology podcast. So no more big hiatuses. Uh, we're not going to be doing that anymore. So what you can expect from us is a weekly podcast. Every, every week we'll be getting together. Um, so we'll be talking through whatever the game is that's coming up, whatever game just passed kind of getting all our thoughts and recollections together. We're going to do some fun things this year. We're going to try to go out and go to some different locations to watch some games and kind of come back and talk about what that looks like. Spend some time. I've got a couple more friends who are going to come through and talk to us here. And I'm especially excited for our next episode because I'm not going to completely divulge it yet, but we have our first sponsor and we will be talking through, I will be sharing some information about our sponsor and we will get some time to spend with them. And I'm happy to have someone join our cardiology family. And this is, this is a new enterprise for me and for my friends. So make sure to check us out. Uh, we're on all your different devices, all your different platforms. So check us out on on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple. You can also check our web page at Cardiology CLE. So that's cardiology with a K and CLE, C-L-E dot com. Um, feel free, you can, you can actually, there's a, there's a player on there. So if you prefer to use that rather than one of the services, you can definitely do that and listen to us. And then I have unleashed my daughters on all my social networks. So you can definitely check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I even have a TikTok account, which I don't really know what to do with, but but I definitely won't be dancing. I can tell you that. Oh, come um, on. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us here. Um, you know, so for Sean, um, for everybody who helps us with the cardiology podcast, our wives who put up with us as we complain about the Browns every day from now until the end of the season, I just want to say thanks. And we're signing off and go Browns. Go Browns.